0: welcome into another episode of the calcio connection podcast connecting with you italian football fans from all over the world Plenty to talk about from the weekend matchups, Coppa Italia coming up, we've got a Rome derby coming up later on in the week, so you know we had to get the Roma angle on this episode before we introduce our special guest. I am Alex Dano. I am uh, paying tribute to Arturo Vidal for, you know, missing uh, what would seem like a pretty easy strike. You guys know that I, I tend to give tribute to the people that I'm most angry at, so those watching on YouTube can see Arturo Vidal in my background uh, so, obviously, uh, Inter and Roma's midweek draw or weekend draw will be a topic of conversation today. Lazio win again. So, let me introduce everyone's favorite Laziale, my co-host, Jerry Mancini. Jerry, two in a row for Lazio, eighth on the table, but you'll pass Sassuolo any day now because they continue to drop points. How are you, sir? Uh,
1: I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Lazio finally put in a great performance. And yeah, for if I'm a East team fan... I'd be a little concerned only because Uh-oh. at the raw, I, I feel like this team got Lazio at the wrong time this year where they're starting to turn the corner and they're starting to show confidence and momentum. Their their performance against Parma, against the Parma side who who has struggled this year, but nonetheless Lazio showed up and, and did what they had to, to, to build something, to build something going into their, their game against Roma, a, a pivotal win like Sergei Malikovic-Savage said. It, it was like a building a building step where this. it's been an up-and-down year where Lazio has shown to be good, shown to be poor. There's no in-between with this club this year, and coming off a decent performance against Fiorentina, and then prior to that, Genoa, where they really suffocate you with their defense, and they only managed to get a draw, and then all of a sudden you go against the side who just brought back Roberto Diversa, and I thought that Parma was going to come up much better. They they looked good. they looked good in the match, but I'm just happy it was 90 strong minutes from Lazio. And now you go to the the Stadio Olimpico against a Roma side who's looked good this year as well. And you're going to get two sides who are going to battle it very hard. So Caicedo continues to impress. Two straight games with a goal, stepping up when Immobile doesn't score. Um... Luis Alberto scoring more than assisting. I'm, I'm very shocked on this one. I would never have assumed that he would have more goals and assists this year, but that's been the case. So overall, great performance. I'm very happy to see that Lazio finally beat a lower-end team with not much difficulty, and this can be encouraging moving forward. Yeah,
0: so r- real quick, the uh, the results from Sunday. Verona, the 2-1 victory over Crotone. Lazio, as Jerry just talked about, goals from Luis Alberto and Caicedo, 2-0 over Parma. Napoli didn't play particularly well, but they escaped against Udinese with a 2-1 victory. Fiorentina, 1-0 over Cagliari. Uh, Juventus, uh, against the 10-men, Sassuolo, ended up taking a 3-1 win. And and a game we're going to start off talking about before we get into the Rome derby this weekend. Roma and Inter finish in a 2-2 draw. Can't say I didn't predict this one because now six fixtures in a row, Roma and Inter draw, every single time and it's usually two to two there's something about the two to two score line between these teams it almost ends that way and uh and before before I give my my two cents and and air some of my grievances on Conte let me bring in our special guest for this episode you know him you love him does a great job on the Chiesa di Totti blog covering Roma like no other Steve Chavillo joins us Steve how are you man
2: I'm doing well. Um, thanks for having me back on. You know, another draw. can't say I'm surprised either with the way things have gone. It seems like it's always some late drama, too, after last year we had the Spinazzola hacking. Um, can't remember Moses, who it was. Moses. Victor bo- Moses. Moses on that botch clearance, and now we had the late goal yesterday. So I guess it works both ways. Both teams giving away goals late in matches uh, against each other.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it just went, it, it was so predictable the way that uh, that the ending went in that game. I, I knew that whoever had the lead first would end up, you know, giving up the late equalizer. Uh, I know that Jerry was very disappointed in me. Uh, th- this was another early morning game, and I committed an act of silent protest because I've woken up at 6 30 to watch Inter enough times this year. And coming off a, a brutal loss against Sampdoria midweek, uh, I was telling Jerry for half the week, I'm not waking up again at 6.30 for Inter. And, and, and by the way, I knew I wouldn't need to because it was going to come down to the second half. Like It's not like the game would be decided by halftime. In fact, Inter had the 1-0 deficit at halftime. They did all their scoring in the second half. I missed absolutely nothing by waking up at halftime. And I know Jerry was giving me lots of shit on social media. Uh, but it was uh, despite you know, Inter playing well in the first half, Pellegrini scored the opening goal uh, the 17th minute. Roma had the 1-0 lead at halftime. Milan Skriniar scored uh, a header at the 56th minute to tie it up, and unbelievable goal at the 63rd minute. Um, One of the goals of the season for Inter, Ashraf Hakimi cutting inside to the left foot and just launching a heat-seeking missile to the bottom portion of the crossbar in in the top left-hand corner, Uh, really nothing any keeper could do to save that, uh, it was a beautiful goal to take the two to one lead. And then, um, substitute management got a little bit questionable in the late stages. And I, I would love, uh, Steve's take on it from a Roma perspective. Um, so I, I, I certainly had a feeling that Inter nursing the two to one lead, the one goal lead. Once you got around the 79th, 80th minute, I Really had a feeling because a lot of Intidisti would think, hey, it would be really nice to bring on a guy like Stefano Sensi to add sort of another dimension into that midfield and maybe help create more scoring chances. But I, I had I had a feeling that Conte um, was not going to use Sensi to nurse a one goal lead. He was going to go more defensive. Uh, he he ends up taking Arturo Vidal off, you know, due to injury. And again, Vidal's fitness has just been really, really poor uh, for the last couple of weeks, and he brings on Galiavdini, not Sensi, and then the substitute that had uh, Interisti furious, um, and the irony of bringing on Alexander Kolorov to close out the final stages of the game. He brings Kolorov on as well in the 82nd minute. Of course, Kolorov, a former Roma player, um, mid-30s, and unfortunately has, has been a disaster at Inter. We haven't seen him in a while uh, he was out for for a stretch uh, with COVID, uh, but early on in the season, Kolarov had some disaster classes, and you can certainly point him as one of the people uh, responsible. As, as Inter just, he, on the final minutes after making those substitutions, uh, couldn't keep any possession, look exhausted, had no shape. It really became a shooting gallery for Roma, and I... You know they they were unlucky on a couple of chances and Hamdanovich made some good saves but I just felt like it was it was a matter of time before Roma scored the equalizer and credit to them for doing that it was a Gianluca Mancini uh, goal at the 86 minute and the game ends up finishing in the 2-2 draw so Steve uh, from your perspective and I I certainly you know I, I don't want to make it sound like um, by blaming Conte like I'm not giving credit to Roma Roma had to earn that equalizer and earn that result. Uh, but from your perspective, how did you see those final 10 minutes or so after the Conte subs and, and Roma were really the only team attacking at that point?
2: Yeah, I mean, from, from a whole match perspective, what was disappointing from a, a Roma perspective was that Roma, the first 30 or so minutes, was the aggressor, and they um, really were the team that was deserving of the one nothing lead at the half. For the most part, they outplayed Inter, I thought. But... For whatever reason, Roma decided to be less aggressive come the thirty thirty fifth minute or so, and then you know came back to bite them with the two goals they gave up. And then it seems like they flip flopped roles. Once Inter went up two one, the the game flowed back the other direction. It Was like an ebb and flow kind of feel to the game. I don't know why Conte took his foot off the gas. I mean that seems to be the Conte thing. After watching him coach quite a few teams now and the national team, and everything he's. One of those old-school Italian managers, in, in a sense, where he likes to just kind of, you know, get the lead. You're down to the last 15, 20 minutes, just grind it out and, yeah. and get the W. But, you know, as we saw yesterday, after those subs, Roma were the aggressor. The last 15, 20 minutes, Roma looked like they would score. Um, you know, I was hopeful that they would score. I didn't feel like they were going to definitely lose that match 2-1. Sometimes you just feel like you have no chance of scoring. I felt like they had a chance yesterday. And after they scored, even though there was less than 10 minutes left, I wanted them to push for a third goal because I felt like okay. they had the momentum. Um, and like you said, Hondanovic made a great save on Mancini right before he scored with the header. Um, I wasn't surprised, though, by Conte's subs when he brought on Perisic for Lautaro and um, Galliardini for Vidal. Those felt like his type of subs where you bring on the more workmanlike player rather than Sanchez and Sensi would have been the other option. So I can't say I'm surprised by it. Um, the Kolarov sub—I don't know. it Was keep me that tired with ten minutes left in the game? I, I can't tell you. I'm not. You know, I wasn't on the field with him. I wasn't him. But yeah. you know, it, it doesn't seem like the the best sub to use at that point. But you know, the thing with Kolarov, and we saw it in in Rome for the past couple seasons, is he had certain assets that kept him on the field with Roma from a more offensive perspective as a left back the past couple years, especially his free kick ability. But from a defensive perspective, he's not the guy I'd want being subbed in late in a match. Um, you know, he's not the player he was when he was on Lazio and then on Man City from a defensive perspective. Great going forward, but, you know, at, at his age now, I don't see him as the solution defensively. You probably would have been better off keeping Hakimian. in. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other Conte subs just seem to be his MO kind of sub. So you can't really say you're surprised by them. Um, I guess he just wanted the more defensive work rate from the Galliardini's and the Perisic's rather than a Sensi, who's more of a ball-playing midfielder, I guess. Um, but I can see why, from your perspective, you're disappointed in it.
0: Yeah, and, and I think there's, um, I don't know, uh, there's probably a little bit of disappointment on both sides. Especially, you mentioned how the game ebb and flowed so much for whichever team had the the one-goal lead, they'd take their foot off the gas. Um, now, obviously... Um, you know, a, a point for both sides is really not a terrible result. I mean, I, I guess uh, you know, for for Inter being in second place, they just have the misfortune that even though they were recently on a nine-match winning streak, uh, Milan are just not dropping points. Mm. So you so you you know you you lose a little bit of ground in the Scudetto race now, three points back of Milan. Uh, but a, a point uh, at the Olympico is not a bad result on paper, and and you know for Roma. Same thing. I mean, a point against Inter, they stay, you know, Juventus is breathing down their necks now, but, you know, still uh, comfortably in the top four at at third place for the time being. So it's not a bad result, but I think probably, Steve, both sides can have some regrets. I mean, do do you come away from that match feeling like, hey, it's a good point and a fortunate point? Or like you said, in the final minutes, it was really Roma were on the front foot. Are you disappointed not to get more out of that game?
2: Yeah, so uh, the way I look at it is on paper, it's a good result. You're playing. Inter, who is a better team than Roma on page, you know, for all intents and purposes, Inter is a stronger side. Same thing happened to Roma earlier in the season when they played Juve early on. They had Juve 2-1 up a man and they let the match get away in a draw. And before the match, if you told me a point, you'd say, okay, a point's a good result against these teams, you know, even if it is at home. But after Roma was up and playing so well for 35 minutes, the way they ended up giving up the two goals was a bit disappointing. So in the end, after they went down 2-1 and they were the team that got the tying goal, I guess it's still a good point because uh, rather than the Juve match where they were the team that gave up the tying goal, they were the team that got the tying goal. So I guess it's a good point, but certainly some regret with how they approached the match once they were in the lead that they didn't go harder for that second goal. And, you know, then maybe if you get up 2-0, then you're looking at Inter back against the wall. Maybe Inter doesn't get two goals because then you can approach the match a little differently up two goals, but... Up one goal, I was a little disappointed with how they approached the match and kind of let the foot off the gas a little bit before halftime.
0: Jerry, I'm curious uh, your your view uh, from an impartial standpoint, and I know you you like to uh, you like to watch quite a bit of Inter because you like to engage in uh, in banter with me, and I know you were scouting Roma since you have Roma, you know, versus Lazio on Friday. So, what was your perspective on that two two draw?
1: They both fucking suck. <laughs> i <laughs> joking, I just to say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> firstly, I wake up for every 6.30 game on a Sunday, believe it or not. Just by the way, just a aside. good man.
0: I, I needed my beauty sleep that day. And, uh, and, and it's crazy because um, instead of waking up at 6.30, I woke up at 7.20. But it makes a big difference. Like at that time of the morning, 50 minutes makes a huge difference.
1: It does because when I get to the 2.30 or 2.45 game, I'm a I'm fried. It, yeah. it's, it's a struggle. I, it was a struggle to watch that UVA game yesterday. But um, in regards to Inter versus Roma, I don't think Inter played a bad first half. We would be talking differently if they converted their chances in the first half. I think that's the difference. Um, I don't remember like what chance. they had. A few good chances. I, that's all I recall. Like I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm I the, think
2: the Lukaku one that uh, Al Lopez made I, that save on was big. Yeah, yeah, that was huge.
1: There, there were chances that I'm 100% with it. you. You'll be talking about wow, they did play good in the first half. I think the difference was that they didn't capitalize, and Roma did. And as soon as Mkhitaryan, and so Pellegrini scores in the first 20 minutes, it kind of shifts towards Roma's favor, and all of a sudden the momentum's there, and Inter just goes gone after the first 20 minutes. Now. I, I know I noticed that Brozovic got the two assists that I didn't even notice. I didn't even know that he got two assists in this game personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought he was poor. I thought he'd give the ball away no, I, I, I thought I thought he was pretty
0: I good, Brozovic.
1: So. I think his passing was just so awful the time. I just kept on watching him give the ball away personally. Maybe I saw something different. I, I just wasn't that impressed with him. Um Barella looked like he, he was struggling. I, I I thought that uh, Veritut looked really good for Roma. Um, wow, this guy another 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 life that was saved away from Fiorentina and and brought to Roma. That, <laughs> we always talk about how Fiorentina players they just come back from the dead and they and they and they just flourish much better with other teams. And, and Veretout just really stood out to me. What a challenge on, on Barella! That was oh, yeah. like game changer right there. And. I don't know. I I just think that he really covered the space pretty well. He was pretty engaged. Mason, it's the little things that you sometimes don't notice, and that's something with Veritude that has really helped Roma this year, probably. I haven't watched enough Roma, but just watching that game, it seems as if he's really developed his game over over the season compared to last year, and that's something that Roma has always struggled is someone who can really control the midfield, someone who can attack. And, and he's really done a good job there. In regards to to Inter, I thought the second goal that Roma scored was a foul. Personally, that's just my opinion. Not, I'm just being a neutral on this game, not being a, a hater against Roma or anything like that. I just feel that Screen Yard was kind of impeded and, and kind of pushed off for that for that ball um i know people will have different views different takes you can look it at both ends well if, well if
0: i'm not if i'm not mistaken on that one and and again like if i i wasn't expecting them to call it um i i do think by the letter of the law if they really wanted to they could have called it and i think a couple of the italian newspapers said that so you're not you, you're not off base on that jerry but it certainly in the moment that's the kind of thing you, you see referees will let let a lot of that go and unless it's Milan involved, if it's Milan, the call gets made. I'm just <laughs> throwing out that out there this year, but now I wasn't expecting to get that call.
1: Didn't Martinez and, and, and Lukaku had a few chances as well in the first half. And
0: yeah, M- M- Mar- Martinez also had one where, uh, I, I think, uh, I-, I think a couple of the newspapers said it was a ball, a, a nice ball played, uh, by Lukaku. Uh, and, a- and one of the Italian papers thought that, that Martinez was fouled, um, that was another one where maybe if you watch the super slow-mo, like the back of his leg got kind of kicked. Um, in live time, I didn't whatsoever think it was yeah. a foul. I just thought it was a poor finish. Like I, He got the you know, shot off,
2: too, pretty cleanly before the Ibanez yeah. came in. Yeah.
1: And, yeah. And there, I also forgot that Kambula didn't play yesterday either.
2: No, Kambula's their fourth center back at this point. As awesome. good as he is, yeah, well, that that's the thing. Roma's that's, center back situation is, is very good right now, I mean, Smalling had a very strong game against yeah. Lukaku, I thought. Um, yeah. And then Mancini and Ibanez. Ibanez was actually pretty quiet yesterday. He's been arguably the best one this season. And that was one of his more quiet games Just yesterday. Mancini, I'm a big fan of Mancini. So, Kambula will get his games. It's just that he has a tough trio to beat out for playing time if everyone's healthy. To me, this is my preferred trio. Um, mm-hmm. But Kambula's, is, you know, 20 years old, I think. So, he's they, yeah. got a nice yeah. young core.
1: Yeah, I, I thought Mancini was really good yesterday. And I like how he's really effective on both ends of the field, not just on the defensive side. Yeah,
0: he, he scores a lot. Like I remember when he was at, uh, at Atalanta before he arrived at Roma, and he, he, was, he I think he might have been like the top-scoring center back before he made the move to Roma. Like He was scoring a ton of headers.
1: I thought the biggest glaring issue on both sides was goalkeeping, though. When I was mm-hmm. actually when you guys were talking, I was just thinking about this, and Paul Lopez is horrendous. I I I remember when John Solano did a a podcast on Paul Lopez, and he was supposed to be this next big thing coming from La Liga, and he, I forgot where he came. I think it, from Real Betis. If I'm not mistaken, I think
2: Betis. I think so.
1: Betis. Yeah. I heard his podcast, and they hyped him up. How this was supposed to be. Finally, a goalkeeper that can come into Roma, where they've always struggled in that area, and finally has someone who can give them some good presence in the back. I thought he was terrible yesterday. I thought, believe it or not, that was
2: actually one of his better performances of late. Yeah, <laughs> he was benched for Mirante for a while. He's only playing because Mirante's hurt. But those two saves he made on Martinez and Lukaku were huge. Yeah. But that's how. Low, our standard has dropped for him in both uh, sides.
1: I didn't like, and, and I,
0: and meanwhile, Handanovich hasn't moved since 2018.
1: <laughs> Did you see how he reacted after the first goal and he was snapping at his defense? It's funny, like
0: that. That's his new move. Like his move last season was when he would freeze, like he would do his mannequin challenge thing that he does, and he would just sort of look like he was in a coma after that. Now, his new move is. Mannequin challenge followed by pointing angrily at Scriniar or or Bastoni and just, like, for no, for no like, even, uh, he, he has so many of these poor moments. I, I think it was uh, one of the goals he let up, I think it was against Somp, where it, like, he just parried it right to the attacker. Like, it was ridiculous. Like, it, it was a slow-coming ball, and he just bounced it right to the attacker for a goal, and it was clearly his fault, and then yet he points at Scriniar to, like, yell at him, like, dude, for what? It's like a <laughs> reflex at this point.
1: I like Screenyard. I think he's been a most. I think Inter's most improved player of the season compared to last year. Yeah. Where where I I forgot who they casted out that didn't fit into Godin. Inter. Godin. Godin. You have a guy like Godin who just didn't work out and didn't adjust. Whereas Screenyard, Screenyard just he he adjusted to the back three, and now all of a sudden you got a player who can play in a back four and a back three, and If he ever were to be sold, that's that's a big chip sale there. Like you can really use that to 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 gain extra money for him. I think that he has some upside to him now. So, and I I like his attitude. Like his his motivation. He he was kind of a spark to Inter yesterday, and how he kept on motivating his players and, and try to rally them, knowing that there's no fans in attendance. I think sometimes players try to do that in order to get their players more motivated, knowing that. When there's no of uh, that fan attendance that, that's not there, it's kind of hard to get going in games. Um, I have a question for you, Steve. Are you concerned with Jekyll in any any way? Because I, I kind of felt like as the game progressed yesterday, he kind of dipped off and looked a little tired, fatigued. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, is he hurt? Or is it just that he's been overused? And and, and if that's the case. You got an Nzagi problem here. I'll be honest, because you got mm-hmm. two managers thinking the same. Where you mm-hmm. got Borja Mayoral, Ma- Ma- and he's on loan, and you're not using this guy, who sh- is there to take away Jekyll's minutes. And I, I know a lot of Lazio fans don't like Jekyll. I'm one who thinks Jekyll's a top, a top striker. I don't know, top five. I. I'm always gonna rate Immobile ahead of him because I'm biased. I love Immobile, but I still think Jekyll is is one of the best strikers in Serie. A. You you a, a blind Lazio fan would say he's shit. I don't think he's crap. I think this <laughs> guy's like seriously. I think this guy is really good. He's consistent. You you can't shit on a player who's consistent and scores consistently every year. I just don't get it. I like the way he plays, but back to all i was saying. Do you think that he's just been overused? So he missed Wednesday's match. He was a, a late scratch,
2: um, like the day before. They said he had a little tweak of some sort. He played late in the match, but Myral scored two two goals, including one beautiful goal, and drew the penalty. So he basically set up all three of Roma's goals against Crotone midweek. I'm not surprised Dzeko started, because in a big match against a team like Inter, you're going to start Dzeko. He's your captain. He's your veteran. He scored 120-some-odd goals for Roma, whatever it is. Um, but what I was disappointed with was how long Fonseca rode him yesterday. Um, and it was funny because I was recording our podcast for Chiesa Di Totti earlier, and the other guy I was on with, Sean, basically posed the question, is Fonseca, like, scared of Dzeko? Because, you know, <laughs> it's like sometimes you you know, you know appeal, you know, you you play to these, like, veterans so much that it's like, yeah. and I don't think he's necessarily scared of him or afraid of him, but, like, you rely on him so heavily where Amiral might have been able to unlock that match a little bit earlier yesterday. He's quicker, he's younger, he's, mm-hmm. he's hungry for a goal. He, he would have brought a different... Perspective, because what Dzeko was doing yesterday wasn't working. I looked at his final stats. His passing percentage was 68%. Um, you know, he only had one shot, and it was off target. He's usually a volume shooter. He usually puts a lot of shots off target. He's not the most accurate shooter, but he he scores based on volume a lot of the time. And he wasn't doing any of that yesterday. I don't know if whatever his issue was midweek carried into this, or if he was fatigued or what it was. But it was one of his worst performances of the season. I, like UI rate Jekko. I still think he's a very valuable part of the team. Absolutely. But, um, you know, I think Myrol sooner or later deserves a chance against a bigger team. I just don't know if it's going to take, like, a Dzeko injury or something to get him on the field against, like, a, a top-six type side because, you know, I'm, most of the time you're going to start your veteran captain striker. But I think even in a match like say okay, start Dzeko, but if he's poor for 60 minutes, give Myrol 30 minutes rather than two at the end, you know, right. whatever it was especially after he's coming off such a good performance midweek. Yeah.
0: It was, was, you bring it up that I kind of realized that it was just a a really quiet game from Jekyll. I mean, that that's usually a player I fear. Like usually anytime Jekyll was on the pitch, you know, if he's not scoring himself, he's doing something incredibly creative to facilitate a teammate. And, uh, I can't remember, at least not in a matchup against Inter, uh, the last time I've seen a Dzeko performance that was that quiet. That was that was quite shocking. Uh, guys, before we preview the Rome derby, I know that Jerry and Steve are both chomping at the bit for that. I uh, wanted to ask you guys a question, your, your thoughts on the Scudetto race from this point forward. Now, uh, Milan pick up uh, another victory uh, at the weekend. They had a 2-0 over Torino. Uh, so Gianpaolo missed his chance at revenge on Saturday. Milan got it done. Rafael Leao, Frank Kessi on a penalty. So Milan stays, of course, top of the table, and they gain a little bit of ground on Inter dropping points. So it's Milan with 40 points, Inter in second place with 37. Roma, three points behind Inter and six points off the top at 34. Juventus uh, picking up three more points. They're at 33, so that's your top four. Um, and then you also have uh, Atalanta, who are just momentum, uh, just building for them. Thirty-one points. Napoli also at thirty-one. Sassuolo twenty-nine. Lazio twenty-eight. And uh, and I know that Jerry was surprised uh, when I we were talking guys in a in a chat earlier. And Jerry was a little surprised when I mentioned that you know despite you know Milan continuing to to pick up wins and being well, I mean continuing, they did lose to Juventus recently, but continuing to pick up points in most of their games. Um, And being three points on top of the table that, uh, according to oddsmakers, Inter are actually still at this moment favored for the Scudetto at plus 160, meaning a hundred dollar bet would win you back one hundred and sixty dollars. Then Juventus in the second spot at 225. That's my personal pick for the Scudetto. Uh, I picked them preseason. I'm going to ride with that. Then you've got Milan at plus 350. Then there's a really big gap after that. Uh, to the point where you almost question if some of the teams, uh, a few spots beyond me, uh, beyond uh, Juve, are maybe being disrespected a little bit. Atalanta at plus twelve hundred, Napoli plus fourteen hundred, Roma plus two thousand, Lazio plus sixty six hundred. Maybe Jerry, if you want to throw, you know, a hundred bucks on Lazio, you could win over six grand uh, in return for that wager. Uh, but but what do you guys think? Because I, I know that you, Jerry and I'm not sure about Steve, but Jerry, you were a little bit surprised that. Inter are still the betting favorite for the scudetto. Do you, do you think it it should be Milan or should he should it even be Juventus?
1: Um, that's a good question. Actually, now you say Juventus, uh, I I go with Milan only because of what they've been able to prove dating back to last June and having. Having only lost one game in City uh, over what span of 27, 28 games, which is ridiculous. Um, the form that they're showing, the consistency they're showing. Now, these odd makers obviously have their formula and how they come up with their stats and what they build around this. So they, there must be something that's put into it. The probabilities, I'm and, guessing. And also
0: money coming in. So may, maybe if there's a lot of money coming in on, on Inter, you know, that, yeah. that may improve their odds.
1: Some things maybe like edging the, the, the Sharpies or whatever you call that shit. But uh, I'm I'm no gambler anymore. But um, I would say what benefits Inter still is that they only play one competition. At the moment, it hasn't benefited them yet because everyone's still playing the same amount of competition games with Copa Italia. It's it's City mid uh, midweek right now. We would have to see come February when we start noticing those extra Europa League games from Roma for for not just Roma, I'm just saying like Milan. Um, I'm actually curious about Roma because I thought they were pretty um, – they were the one team that really benefited the most when it came to European competition because they had already got their first place spot and, and down-packed it very early and didn't have to really – worry about rotating their squad for like one or two matches, which really helped him, I believe. People probably don't look at that, but when I mean, you don't have to really concern. Be worried about having to go into the group of 32. That really helped him, whereas Milan was still trying to get that first place spot. Um, Inter went to all, all the Italian teams in, in Champions League basically went down to the last day to make sure that they were getting a top spot or trying to get in. So now we go into February and now all the Italian teams who are, are in Euro, in the European competition once again need to be worried and have to rotate their squad, figure out what they need to do. It's not what it was before. And then you have Inter who doesn't have to worry about that. But at the same time, you, you start thinking that can Inter take advantage of this? And, and yeah. I, thought, I thought last year Lazio did a good job of taking advantage until COVID-19 struck. Had that never happened, I do believe that Alachi would have won the Copa Italia. I think that Inzaghi had it all planned out. He had the right starting 11. He rotated for the best players. And I feel that Conte is not doing what Inzaghi did last year, where he went with the best players. He did what worked and what will work. And just Conte goes from one player to another and you just start thinking and the substitutions as well, where you take off Hakimi yesterday. I want to... I want to go back after to two points with the Roma versus Inter game before I forget later. But I want to go back to that before we go the Lazio versus Inter game. Sorry, Roma game. But yeah, I I I feel it's wide open, and and for some reason I keep on believing in Conte he can do it. But in the back of my head, I feel like Inter is gonna freaking piss this down the drain.
0: That's my that's my issue. I keep thinking I just, that as well.
1: <laughs> I seriously wouldn't be surprised if Milan meltdown came i wouldn't shock me because as as the time progresses it, look, they just picked up three more injuries on saturday two or three injuries like how, how long can this team sustain this kind of like ability to, to overcome players and now they got to play tomorrow once again in copa italia like, it's just one thing after another it, good for them they're 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 showing great character and they're overcoming adversity but if i had to choose a team i would probably edge towards juve um i still go with juve i've always doubted juve last year like i was the first to doubt them i thought that Lachu had had in the bag even coming back from from covid i didn't expect them to be that bad they were horrendous um with, with Juve, they just figure things out. And, and, and still this stupid referee is going to help them. Throw that out the door, man. Like, this team just figures things out, man. It, it drives me nuts. I thought they were going to lose to Sassuolo yesterday, and they freaking, they they managed to win. They managed it. Good teams, There there's a reason why they won nine Scudettos in a row, and people forget that. And they think the next year is their last year. The rain's going to calm down. They're only, what, seven points back of Milan? Like, uh with yeah with a game in hand too people yeah. forget. yeah that's right see what i mean you win that tomorrow say if it was just tomorrow you're back four points now like it's 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 uh it's tough i i go with you Vet. i i'm never gonna count this team out that's
0: just what do you think steve who would you consider the team that should be the betting favorite
2: yeah i mean milan obviously deserves some respect for all they've done um the loss to Juve finally took a little wind out of their sails, but they bounced back this week. Um, so it, it's hard to, you know, say that they're not up there and definitely in consideration. You know, I, I'm they've impressed me. I, I thought they would drop more points than they have so far, you know, especially when Ibra and Kaya were both out, who have been their two most important players. So I give them them credit. Um, every week I, I hope they're going to drop points because I feel like that's a team that in the end Rome will be fighting with closer to, mm. like, third place. I, did, I don't expect them to stay at first if they do – you know, God bless. I, I know a lot of Milanese who will be very happy, um, but I, I still I have to agree with Jerry. In the end, I, I think Juve, especially because they haven't played well, they, you know, they've hung around in matches early on. They had a lot of draws in matches you wouldn't expect them to draw. Um, I can't remember which teams off the top of my head, but they were not teams that Juve normally draws against. But now they're just hanging around. They have the match in hand that they still have to play. That they had those points taken away from uh, Napoli, so they're going to have to play Napoli at some point. But you know, they're, they're finding ways to win. Yesterday against Sassuolo, that's a typical Juve the past nine years. Find a way to, to gut it out in a match where you're not playing that well. Take advantage of that red card. You know, because after Sassuolo got the tying goal from Defrella, I was like, oh, maybe Sassuolo has a chance to at least pull the draw to this match. And then they, they found a way late. And I just feel like they're improving because they're starting to gel a little bit more. I know they've had some injuries now lately, though, because I know Chiesa got hurt yesterday. McKenny got hurt. Um Dybala got hurt. They've, they've been dealing with De, Vri- um, De Ligt has COVID. So they're going to be a little shorthanded against Inter on Sunday. So if Inter was ever going to make themselves, I don't know if we could say the favorites at this point, because you know they still will have a gap with Milan no matter what Milan does this weekend. This is their chance to prove that they are legit title contenders, I think, because playing Juve while well, Juve is a little bit wounded it gives them a big opportunity to put distance between themselves and Juve and keep the pressure on Milan, uh, especially like Jerry said, an injury-riddled Milan team of late. So, but in, in the end, especially if Juve can pull out a win on Sunday, I, I think Juve has to be become the favorite. But I could see why the odds makers do favor Inter at this point, because like Jerry said, I think the European thing is is, is big. You know, we saw with Lazio last year, they crashed out of Europa League. I think in some ways, in Inzaghi's head, probably he wasn't very upset about that because he knew that was his best chance to to hang with the big boys. And I think Inter. I was looking at the calendar. They played Milan on February 21st. That's, like, right in the, the area of when the knockout rounds are being played in those European competitions. Maybe you catch Milan after a European game on Thursday. You know, it's, it's a chance to maybe jump on them, too. So the schedule could play to their favor in some ways, too. But it's hard to count Juve out.
0: No, you you make some great points there, Steve. And, uh, and, and for me, like, even though I, I don't necessarily believe Inter are, are going to win the Scudetto, I certainly hope they do. I I think for now, the odds makers, I I believe, have it right. Um, Like in in the case of Juventus, you know, not being favored, um, being seven points back in their current state and having a pretty catastrophic injury slash COVID situation heading into the Inter match, I I can get it why Vegas doesn't have a whole lot of belief that they're going to win that game. Uh, But like you said, if Juventus shorthanded do beat Inter uh, at the weekend, then I think that's going to be a pretty seismic shift in the odds. Uh, if, if Inter drop all three points in that match, um, I don't believe they'll still be Scudetto favorites at that point. I think that you're going to see their odds fall, and Juventus either become the all-out favorite or, you know, perhaps right behind. Actually, they'd probably be the all-out favorite because they're, they're st- they still are given better odds than Milan, despite the fact that Milan are in first place. And in the case of Milan, I, I can understand why the odds makers don't favor them. Because there's still, I think, a belief among uh, a lot of the betting public that the other shoe is going to drop at some point, that the Cinderella story for them can't stay forever. Um, You know, they continue to prove a lot of people wrong every game they win, but there's still the reality is that this team, you know, didn't even qualify for Champions League spots last season. uh, and, And they've been holding on to first place with a very young team. So I, I don't think there's a whole lot of belief. We're not even halfway into the season yet. Mm-hmm. So I just don't think from the betting public, there's still a whole lot of belief that they're really going to win the Scudetto. So I guess for those reasons, and and you guys also made good points about Inter not playing in Europe. Um, I, I think that it is the correct like handicapping decision to have Inter currently as the favorites. but um, and, and that's only going to be, I think, solidified by the odds makers if they do beat Juventus. But if Juventus win that game then uh the inter are not going to be the favorites coming out of the weekend and jerry before we get to lazio roma i want you to finish your thought cuz you said you had something else on the inter roma match or the roma inter match i should say
1: yeah Spinozola, i think he was amazing yesterday yeah. on that side wow he he really controlled and and all season i he's just this is a guy who had injury problems at juventus and there was that concern, will he stay healthy with Roma? And this has to be one of the best signings that Roma has done in a decade. Where they have spent insurmountable amount of money on players that they just struggle to sell. And just become bums, no offense. Now, if I'm a Roma fan, Spinozola and, and Juventus is probably thinking, Fudge, we let this guy go, man. Look what he's turned out at Roma. Well, and and also
0: Inter could have had him, but then they pulled the plug on that uh, on that uh Politano swap. They they could have had him last January.
2: And that lit a fire under him, really. He that, that he's really stepped up ever since that broke down that move.
1: Is that what it is? I don't I don't really follow these deals. You probably know better than I do with that, but uh, I just think that Spinozola's probably been Roma's best player this year. I would if I had to pick a player right now. That's not like a You go with
2: yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I don't, based on what I've watched personally, I, I don't look at just the goals. I see the overall play. I just think that dating back even to last year and going into this year, he's just been so consistent and a player who's been able to turn his career around and put that injury behind him where that's not an easy thing to do either, right? Where it's always hindering in your mind, will it come back? Will it come back? And always being consistently injured with Juve and not showing that with Roma has really been a positive for this team where they've had a lot of bad luck when it comes to signing players. So he he really impressed me yesterday. I, I love his speed. I love the way he, his crosses are unbelievable. I think that he's one of the most accurate players on the left side who can deliver a good cross and, and always create an opportunity for Roma. And his backtrack is also good too, along with Hakimi. Hakimi had a good game as well. Big mistake taking him out of that game um, and bringing in Kolarov. But at the same time, I I don't just fault the substitutions. They they did play a part where they did hurt Inter, but as soon as they got that second goal, they had already taken the foot off the uh, off the pedal. Man, like they were they just stopped and went cruise control. So it, it did contribute well before the substitutions. The substitutions just added on to no, the I, I know
0: that, but, but my thing was at that point, um, they, they looked exhausted. They were giving up a ton of possessions, so that's why I thought that, you know, bringing on somebody like Sensi, who can actually add a spark to the midfield, I thought could have changed the complexion of the game instead of bringing in, you know, your guy Galliardini and then the Kolarov move uh, for for um for hakimi was a disaster so i i totally agree with you that after inter scored the two to one you know the the momentum shifted for roma i just thought inter could have taken some of that back by making a substitution that could have kept a little bit more possession and created more
1: i don't think the galliardini move was bad i think the Kolarov move was bad that that's what hurt them i think galliardini is really good in that role being up to one He's more of a defensive kind of player where he can track back and, and just play that sound game. Where uh, as Kolarov can't even play defense, he can't play offense, he just doesn't do anything personally. <laughs> Free like, kicks,
0: who, allegedly. Yeah, I'm still yet to really see it, but, you know. <laughs> uh,
1: people were writing that guy off. What a, that guy there is amazing. Like As the game progressed, he got better. That, that's how I noticed him. and His, his speed's amazing. But uh, those those are the two players who really stood out as well. I wanted to mention where I I, I like Kakimi. I think he's going to be really good for Inter. But I, I'm just more impressed with Spinazzola, uh, I, just because everything he's gone through. And, and I think a lot of people kind of forget his his history and and what a risk signing it was And a team that's lost so much money. Finally, if Roma's. Any Roma fans listening to this pod should be really happy to have a guy like Spinozola. And it would be sad to if Roma did sell him because I know that this is a club who's trying to sell players to make a profit and trying to get back even in the books. But it, it, it would be unfortunate to to see a guy like Spinozola be sold if that was the case. But who knows what goes on with Roma. <laughs> Steve will for that one.
0: <laughs> well, let's uh, let's move on, guys. To this coming weekend, uh, we we get a little treat, getting a uh, a a Friday Rome Derby. Don't know how often that happens, but you know, two forty five p.m. Eastern, Fuck, uh, eight forty five p.m. prime time in Italian time. Uh, you know, Jerry. I know that this is a little bit of an inconvenience on you personally because you work and you're going to have to uh, to haul ass out of work and in home uh, <laughs> to get home in time to watch the game. Uh, l- let me get Steve's thoughts on it first, though, because I, I want to get you know your expectation for how the game is going to play out and a prediction, if you want to. Steve, how do you see this shaping up? This very important Rome derby.
2: So what, one of the things that's been a big talking point uh, around Roma this season is they've beaten all the small clubs, all the mid-table clubs. They've had issues beating the big clubs this season. They've drawn Juve. They've drawn Milan and drawn Inter now. And they lost heavily to Atalanta and Napoli. Um, those two matches, they're only two losses on the pitch this year when you discount the you know, clerical error loss against Hellas to open the season. <laughs> so they've only been beaten twice in the pitch, but they've drawn those other three. So against those five big sides... They haven't won a match this year. So Fonseca has this monkey on his back where Fonseca can't beat the good teams. You know, Roma's in third. That's all well and good, but they can't beat anybody good. In, in my opinion, this is the the quote-unquote big team that Roma has to beat. Um, Lazio has been the weakest of the big teams so far this year based on uh, results, and I, it, it, they, they need to win. Like You can probably qualify for the top four by getting those draws against the big teams and beating everybody else, most likely. Um, I, I heard the math um, somewhere where if you beat everybody else and you draw and you, you know play at the same rate they've played through the first 17 matches, they would technically qualify based on the last four years of results or whatever it is. But you, you eventually have to beat somebody. And I think this is the team they have to beat. I think Roma could beat Lazio. Uh, you know, the derby is always very unpredictable. I'd be disappointed if Roma doesn't win this match. Um, I think they have to ride that mo- momentum from the Mancini goal. If they had lost against Inter, I'd be a little more worried but that late goal i think gives you a, a better feeling going into this match where yeah they they pulled out that tough draw against a, a top two team and now they need to uh take the match to latte a little more than they took the match to inter i i think in my my opinion can i put we you on to the spot get for over the score, this score? Uh, um i'll go two one nice
0: Jerry, let let, let me release the Kraken. What are you thinking? Very important game for Lazio as well. (laughs) Well, What's your expectation? Do you have a predicted score?
1: Believe it or not, as poor as Lazio has been, their best matches have been against the top six, seven teams. That's what drives me insane. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why it surprised me how good they played against Parma on Sunday. And it's very encouraging to, to win going into the derby of, of how bad they've been playing in recent times. Um, this is a team who's been up out with up to 12 players in a game in Champions League and, and somehow managed to earn a draw. Um, it comes uh, Friday, it's questionable that Joaquin Correa could be av- available. He did partially train today. Uh, Lulich had a full training session today. If he is to just be on the bench, that is a major boost. Uh, not even being on the pitch, but just having your captain's presence around, I think, is very encouraging. It, it kind of gives an uplift to the team to know that he's there. He, he's a voice that that can really help in the dressing room. So we, we tied Inter, we tied Juventus, and I thought the performances that they showed against both sides were, even though they had to come back and tie, they, they showed no, no quit. Um, they did lose 4-1 against Atalanta early in the year, but that was also inf- impartial to a lot of injuries they had, um, having to revert... Adam Maricic in his first game as a, sorry in the second game as a left wing back, which is not his natural position. They had a few injuries. They actually dominated most of the game, but just weren't clinical. Whereas Atalanta just buried on their very limited chances, and that's how we all know how they like to play, right? Mm-hmm. Um they they came close to beating Milan, but again, I just think that this team has and they beat Monopoly with with a pretty decent yeah. performance. So they even if it hasn't been a win for them, they're. I look at the performances and compared to like what I just said, compared to winning against the lower small teams and mid teams, and it's just how they've came to these games and, and the right mindset, their approach. And I feel that they'll come out strong on Friday. Um, I expect Immobile probably to lead the way once again. Uh, I would like to see him go back into the score column. The only thing that concerns me is that back end. They've only earned four clean sheets this year. And this is just our second winning streak of the year of two games. I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw. I am not going to give a winner to this game because I'm the biggest mush in man. <laughs> I knew so it. I'm I knew you were going to yeah,
0: you know, you give a lot so win.
1: No shot on giving a lot to a win because I am the worst when it comes to this stuff. I'm surprised I hit my prediction of 2-0 Napoli. Sorry, to over Parma on Sunday, but yeah. I won't do the same this week. I, I'm, I'm not confident in a win, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they did pull out some miraculous victory over Roma. I'm just curious to see how they approach it with the Derby first time ever not having fans. And how both sides kind of respond to this, because I, yes, we we've seen games without fans, but when it comes to a derby, and I and I say the Rome derby because I the Rome derby is probably the most significant derby in Serie A when it comes to like history and rivalry. People maybe
0: may, maybe, uh, maybe in history, but I I, you know, I gotta stick up for the uh, the Derby de la Madonnina because it's it's pretty epic.
1: Uh I just the riots that have gone through between Roma and, and Lazio, ah, That's true. The riots, like I, I was just reading up on it and just looking at the history. There's like brawls with fans and the, the one with the incident about the 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 person who had a heart attack or something and they put a they put a tarp over his body and they thought oh, he was geez. dead or something. Do you remember that one uh Steve? No. Yeah, I forgot what it was. I, I wrote it in my article. There was like they assumed he was dead in the stadium, but he really oh my was. God, dead oh my or God. <laughs> but, um, I don't know, I, I I need to look it up. Just don't quote me on that, but there was an <laughs> ins- it, it was really bad. I, I should look it up in the meantime, but freaking yeah, actually, it's not in my article because my wife told me not to put it in because <laughs> it, it was pretty severe. Oh, wow, yeah, but um, just overall. I just want to see how both sides not just Lazio. Just no fans in a derby. It can be it can really wear on you cuz you're so used to having that crowd that that momentum behind you. So maybe maybe it does take an effect. So I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw. See how this one plays out. And like I said, I know that fans have been out since last June. I get that. But when it when it comes to a first derby for Lazio, derby for Lazio and Roma without fans it could be, be a little of an effect on both sides. So in how they approach the game. So we'll see how it goes. And I, I'm really, I'm really
0: struggling to pick a winner in this one. I, I might, I might go draw as well, even though a thing for me is I don't, I, I kind of feel like in the, uh w- with a pack stadium, I almost feel like it'd be more likely to get a draw. Cause I think both sides feel a little bit more pressure. Whereas when it's an empty stadium, maybe you play a little bit more loose, but uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, Roma have done exceptionally well this year. Lazio look like they're hitting form. I I just, I, I have a trouble. I have a hard time picking between these sides. So, I think I'm going to do I'm going to do uh the from my perspective, I'll say it's a cop out because I'm neutral, uh but I'm still going to say it's a cop out. I'm going to go 2-2 draw as well. And and before we wrap it up, uh, as I'm sure you know for for anyone looking to you know, do their reading over the next few days and really get ready for this derby. Uh, Chiesa di Totti is an awesome spot to do that, and listening, because I know, Steve, you uh, you recently taped the preview pod as well, so let the people know where they can access all of this good stuff heading into the Rome Derby.
2: Yeah, so it's chiesaditotti.com. Uh, we have a lot of der- derby com- coverage coming up. Jerry did a type form Q&A for me that will be posted a little bit later this week. He's going nice. to come on for a preview pod, so we'll get the Lazio perspective, too. It's not going to be... Uh, Roma biased everything on there, but we do our uh, probable formations, um, you know, match preview, and all that good stuff. Covering the match, post match, all that, um, and then you could just follow my work at S Chavillo CDT, which um, I'm sure you guys will tag me on on the tweet for people to spell it. Um, yeah, and our our pod is on on all the big platforms. It's called Across the Romaverse. It's on you know Apple, Spotify, uh, and everywhere else you could listen to pods, including our website. So. Um, I'm looking forward to a good game. You know, Jerry's a, a a good Lazio guy, so I like to chat Lazio with him because I always like to hear different perspectives. I always like to get people from other clubs and, you know, and get outside the the Romaverse a little bit and and hear other perspectives. Because if you stay in your own fan zone too much, you you kind of lose the scope of the bigger picture and yep. things. So, looking forward to taping with Jerry as well and previewing the match.
0: Love it. Any parting thoughts, Jerry? As I'm sure, and of course, you're you're, you're joining Steve. You've got the preview Q and A. You working on anything else here on Derby Week?
1: Oh man, uh, I started a piece last week. Was basically the, the importance of the match for both sides, and kind of the, some of the history, and just some of the stats. This it, it, it favors Enrolma's way. They 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 have been more the dominant side. So. If history speaks for itself, it should be Roma winning this game because they've won the majority of the matches. So that that's the truth speaks for itself. So I, I have a match preview that I'll be writing for the Laziale, and I started a piece today on Wesley Hoot and how he's been one of the biggest surprise signings for uh, for Lazio. So that's been uh, nice to see as well. So, yeah, that's about it pretty much. That's great. So,
0: yeah, so m- make sure you check out Steve's work. Make sure you guys follow Jerry uh, on Twitter um, because every every time Jerry posts an article, of course, he tweets it out. Uh, so at jmancini Mancini eight, make sure you guys follow me as well. I'm way too lazy to write. So I do most of my work is all uh, audio and video. I do daily, uh, mostly American sports, but daily shows at onsideradio.com, which you can listen to live from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern or check out the podcast anywhere you get your pods. And make sure you follow this show. I mean, I, I shouldn't have to tell you if you're listening or watching right now. But make sure you're following us on Twitter at Calchocon Pod. Uh, and if you're if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, and we usually we usually release the YouTube about a day after we release the audio because you know we want to try to get the audio clicks first, and then get the YouTube clips uh, clicks after that. But if you're watching this just on YouTube, make sure you listen to the audio pod. Let's give uh, Lucy a
1: shuttle too, eh? I want to give, Lisa, I want to give Lee, Michael Lisi a shout-out. His Browns. Cleveland Browns won a playoff game oh, after how many did. years?
0: They how did. I, I, be, I bet Steelers minus six, so it's, it's oh, a sore spot Browns, for me. The sore spot day, for me.
1: Man. Don't, ben Roethlisberger is on no legs now. Freaking guy, no arms, no legs. That guy's done, man.
0: Uh, Jerry, this is one of those things where like sometimes when you try to find like an edge in betting, you just overthink it because uh, the Browns hadn't had like a regular practice. In almost two weeks because of COVID-19 at their facility and and the Steelers had you know they'd rested Ben Roth some good that rested because he sucked but they'd rested Roethlisberger in the final regular season game so I thought you know Browns haven't practiced in, in a fortnight um, Roethlisberger is going to be rested it's a home game for the Steelers for what that's worth these days so I, I just thought Steelers were the pick but I should have listened to you and I should have listened to Lisi cuz I uh, I got my ass kicked on that one but yeah just never take my gambling advice ever that's a terrible terrible thing to do but make sure you follow me on Twitter at AlexDano uh and make sure of course you follow our show at CalchoCon Pod you know download the audio podcast wherever you get your pods every platform and, uh, and check out the videos on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel at CalchoConPod. So huge thanks to Steve Schiavillo. Huge thanks, as always, to Jerry Mancini. I'm Alex Dono. We'll talk to you guys next time. We will be back later this week for another episode of the Calcho Connection Podcast. Ciao.